Good morning. Happy New Year. You know, before we get started, I just want to clarify something. When you look around our church, you notice in construction over there, your eyes aren't playing a trick on you. That cross is upside down. So the, they, they know that, and so they're going to correct that. Uh, so uh, I came here, and Rod came, other people came here, and they noticed that. So, oh, my goodness. I know that they're hurrying to try to beat the rain, but haste makes waste, right? Okay, connection card. This is a blue and white card. Um, especially if you're here for the first time, we'd really appreciate if you uh, could give us some information. We want to welcome you. But it's also an opportunity if uh, you have any questions or something on the back you'd like to check, just, just do so, and uh, hopefully we'll catch it. After you're done with this, you can just leave it on the pew, and we'll collect them later on. I want to give you a, little, a few announcements as you're, as you're doing that. Uh, this Saturday, uh, which is January 9th at 1030, we'll be having the memorial service for Reverend Bill Hara here in this church. So uh, that will be this Saturday at 1030. So please be praying for, for Jean and, and the family, uh, Allison, and just, uh, just lift them all in prayers this week. Um, also, just a, a little change the upper room men's Bible study, which is normally the, the third Saturday of the month, is going to be January 23rd, which I think is the last Saturday of the month. Uh, and we're, uh, we'll be meeting on January 23rd for the upper room Bible study. And for some of you who have already started your taxes, you guys eager beavers there, uh, uh, the 2015 giving statements from the church, uh, giving statements for 2015 should be in your mailbox this week or next. Every effort is made to ensure the accuracy of statements. Okay, so just keep that in mind. If there's any problems with that, just give us a call. Did any guys see those games yesterday? Gosh, did you guys see Stanford? Can you imagine flying all the way from Iowa, all excited, and you're sitting up there, and after five minutes, you want to go home? I says, ah. Oh. And then Oregon. Are any Oregon fans here? Any Oregon fans? See, you're all ashamed to raise your hand. You should be. My gosh, 31 to nothing, and you blow it? Oh. Oh. Hope you had a good New Year's. Mine was really quiet. Good year. Well, a good end of the year. It was a tough year, wasn't it? I think 2015 was really a hard year. It was a hard year for a lot of different things. There are a lot of things happening in the world. And um, our desire, our hope, is that 2016 will be a year where we'll see in a more evident way God's hand working in a real blessed way in our lives individually, but in our world and our nation. Let's start with the word of prayer. Let's pray. Father, as we are about to start this message, for the, the first message for this new year, Father, we are hopeful. One of the great things that we have in you is hope, for you are the God of the impossible. There is nothing too great, nothing too small uh, for you. And so, Father, we have confidence in coming before you, and we have a desire to learn of your word. So speak to us. You be the teacher of this lesson to us, that you be the one that, that, that speaks to our hearts and helps us to move forward in this year. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
This morning, we're going to begin a, a series on the book of Mark. And uh, we're going to go chapter by chapter through the gospel of Mark. Now, before I get started in today's chapter one of Mark, you know, why is it called a gospel? And I've gone over this over and over again, but you know how it is. When you keep going over the basics, it becomes part of you, right? A gospel simply means good news. And everyone likes good news, right? We all like good news. And the gospel is a good news referring to the coming of Jesus Christ, his ministry, why he came, and what he can do in our lives, and, and why God sent him all this great news for us, for the entire world. In the Bible, when you open your Bible, you have four books that are considered gospels. We have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Traditionally, when we think of the book of Matthew, traditionally it's viewed that Matthew was written for for the Jewish reader. has a lot to do with Old Testament, has a lot to do with the Jewish culture and, and their connection with God through the, through the generations. Then we look at Luke. Luke traditionally is a book that was written for the Greeks. And then when we look at John, John traditionally is viewed as a book that was written for basically believers at that time that were scattered through the world, especially in the Roman Empire. But the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Mark was distinctively different. It was written more for the Roman mindset. The Gospel of Mark was, was written for that Roman mindset, that kind of attention span, that kind of no-nonsense military type of thinking. Okay? Let's think about this. When you think of the Gospel of Mark, Mark is the shortest of the Gospels. It's only 16 chapters. I love that. I love the idea that it's a short book. You know, if you were going to write a book for, let's say, an a action person, an action hero, or a person or maybe a, someone doesn't talk a whole lot but is a real doer, maybe it's that, that guy who's sitting on the recliner with a bag of chips in one hand and the remote in the other, you'd write the Gospel of Mark for him. That's who the Gospel of Mark's for. It's for, it's for that, 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 that it's, a, it's a clearer, more action-oriented, it tells us more about what Jesus did more than what Jesus said. In our short time today, we're going to just kind of skim through. We're going to, I selectively just pick certain parts of Mark chapter 1. And in doing this, today we're just going to look at, to start off our year, that not only understanding that Jesus is everything. He is the all in all. He is the Son of God. He is God in flesh. He is Savior to us. But also, when we look at his life, today we're going to get a, a, a kind of an a, a, a outline of certain things that we can do in our life that will help make 2016 a great year. And we all want a better year, don't we? Yeah, we do. So let's get into this. You know, one of the first things that Jesus did, and we're, we're in chapter 1 of Mark. Now think about it, chapter 1, the very beginning. When we're in chapter 1 here, we see that Jesus surrounded himself with good people. And that's one thing we should, we should keep in mind, to surround yourself with good people. Let's look at Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read for you just a, a, a few verses, verses 14 and 15. And I'm doing everything in abbreviation this morning, so understand that there's a lot more to it in, in the book than what I'm reading. After John was put in prison, 
Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's just stop right there. Here we are, and already in the very beginning, what is Jesus doing? He's going to start his ministry, and one of the first things he's going to start his ministry with is to surround himself with the right people. The setting is is that John the Baptist, who came to foretell the people about the coming of the Messiah, he has already been arrested, he has been executed, he is gone. But now... Jesus is starting his ministry. It's almost like if you went to a stage production. The curtain has risen, and it's starting. And Jesus starts his ministry, and now it's time for the people to find out about him and to respond to to his coming. His ministry is now starting. And what does he do? He chooses his disciples, those who are going to be closest to him. Let's continue on, verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat, preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with hired men and followed him. How many disciples did Jesus initially have? You're kidding me, you don't know? Twelve, right? And out of the twelve, how many were fishermen? Oh, four. We just read it. Come on, guys. Wake up. Four of the twelve were fishermen. Why in the world do you think they were, why did he choose four fishermen? It'd be like Jesus came today and he says, I'm going to choose four Uber drivers. Why do you do that? You know, we're, we're not really sure, but, but one of the things we can do is we can kind of look at the characteristics of fishermen and realize what was his, his, what was his invitation. I'm going to make you a fisher of men. In other words, I'm going to, I'm going to make you a person who is going to win souls for God. So let's look at this. Maybe to be a good fisherman, you first have to be a good fisher of fish. First thing, fishermen are patient, right? Fishermen are patient. They don't get frustrated after a bad day of fishing. How many guys, you fishermen, break your poles and throw them in the water if you don't catch anything? No, you just keep at it, just keep at it. It's kind of like some of you. With, with your neighbor and with your loved one, your relative, who you'd love to see come to know Jesus. You keep at it. They may show a little coldness. They may even be a little irritated when you say something that relates to any kind of religion. But you still keep at it. You're patient with it because you know God is going to do his work. You just keep at it. You're patient. You don't get frustrated. You keep at it. Fishmen usually are discerning in reading their environment. In other words, they have common sense. And that's important because when we talk about things like religion and and faith and those things that are the invisible things, you know, the things that are not material, it's, it's so easy 
for people to get turned off. So we need that discernment to know when it is the right time to mention something, to be able to see and discern when you can do something or say something that might reflect a little bit on who God is. For this person to just help them to inch forward. Because we realize that there is no one way to share Jesus. Fishermen were resourceful. And fishers, the men, have to be resourceful. Fishermen are persistent. Persistent. I like to fish. I mean, if one bait isn't working, I'm using another bait. If one lure doesn't work, I'm using another lure. If one fly doesn't work, I'm using a different fly. If that area is just cold, I move on. I go on to a different place. It's that resourcefulness. It's, it's, it's moving forward. It's that persistence. I'm going to catch something. I'm not going to tell people I didn't catch a fish today. You know? And so there's that persistence in, 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 in always moving, moving forward and keeping that in mind. And you're not giving up. You're not going to finally say, you know what, forget it. This guy isn't going to come to love, forget it. I'm just going to just not even pray for him, not, not do anything. No, you're going to persevere. You're going to be persistent. Fishermen are used to quiet. And you know that, you think that, that's, what's the big deal about that? One thing, if you are talking about things of the Spirit, then you want to hear from God. And you're not going to hear from God if you're not quiet. You're going to have to have quiet times in your life. You're going to have to make times in your life where you're saying, God, speak to me. You're going to have to make times in your life when you're going to empty your soul to God and say, God, this is what I'm feeling. This is what bums me out. You're going to have to have those quiet times. And when you talk about being a fisher of men, you have to have those quiet times because you want that person to talk. You don't want to be talking all the time. If you're talking all the time, that person may be smiling, but he's thinking, i got to get out of here. No, you want to listen. You want to be a listener. You want to be comfortable with quiet. And fishermen were. But even more important than being a fisherman and all these characteristics, I think the key thing was Jesus knew the heart of these men. He knew their heart. He knew the, the true, real, inner person. See, lesson one for a great 2016 is surround yourself with good people. You know, it doesn't matter if this person is really cool and owns a great condo out and right on Newport Beach or something, or, or, they're, or they're struggling in life and, and they're trying to find their way. Those things don't matter. What does matter is that they're a good person. They're a good person they're with a good heart, and hopefully they love the same God that you love. Because you want a person that's going to be at your side. You want a person that's going to be at your side when you need them. You want a person who's going to guide you in a good way and guide you according to what God would want for you. You want a person that's not going to give up on you. And that's the kind of person you want to be for people too. You know, I'll I'll share with you something. We went through over 30 applications before we finally called Pastor Corey to come here and interview. We went through 30 applications. You know, frankly, we just got fed up with reading. We thought, oh, what the heck? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding, (laughs) Corey. But, you know, when you think about surrounding yourself with good people, think about it, parents, grandparents, 
That's what you want for your kids. You want your kids to be surrounded by good people. And that's the same thing that God, your Heavenly Father, wants for you, to be surrounded with good people. And that's what Jesus did. He surrounded himself with good people. Let's go to something else. Surrender yourself to God's will for you. Let's look at 35, 39. We're staying in Mark chapter 1. Let's look at 35 to 39. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and driving out demons. See, one of the reasons Jesus made time to pray, just one aspect, is he wanted to have that connection with God the Father. He wanted to make sure that he was on course for what he was supposed to do. See, to do the work he was sent, and not only just do the work, but do the work in God's way, in God's time. See, timing is important. All of you guys know that. Think of how timing is such an important part of living in this material world. Timing of what you do things, things you say, being at that place at the right time. Timing is important. See, in Christianity, there's no such thing as the end justifies the means. No such thing as that. See, because a big part of your life testimony to your world is the way we live and how we do things. And sometimes that's more important than finishing the task. Sometimes that's more important than reaching that goal. You desire to be a, a billionaire? Have you ever asked God about it? Have you ever asked God, God, what do you want with my life? You desire to be a billionaire. Okay, take it up to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to be a billionaire. What do you think? You know, it may be his plan for you, but it may not be. The thing is, are you willing to go with God's will? You may be thinking, well, God, 2016, I want to make, I want to make an impact in this world. Okay, tell God about it. It may be, there may be something he wants you to do that is very unique to you. And see, that's what prayer is all about. That when you're connecting with God in a regular way, you're going to find yourself, you're going to be reminded about things in your life you need to do. And you're going to be, you're going to be maybe in the right place at the right time when God wants you to do something, say something, meet a person, whatever it might be. But one of the key things to always remember if you truly want to be in God's will, you've got to know God's book. You can be saved through faith alone. Wonderful 
faith in the blood of Jesus that's shed for you. But if you really want to walk in the Lord, if you really want to know God's will, if you really want to be a, a person of significance in this kingdom on, as God reveals his kingdom to this world, then you've got to know his book. And that takes time. I'm not a reader. I remember when I first looked at the Bible, I said, whoa, that's a lot of book there. But you know what? That's why people study it all their lives. And that's the map for you, knowing and following God's will for you. But you know, I'm talking all this stuff, but let's really be realistic. For you to really want God's will for your life, you got to believe you. You got to really want it. See, a lot of people in the world, they know God. They may even be saved. They may know Jesus Christ. They have their faith in Jesus Christ as their Savior. They feel very confident that if they breathe their last, they're going to go to heaven. But do they really want God's will for their life? Nah, I really don't know. See, there are a lot of people that don't. And, and, and then we've got to take it even a step farther back. Do you, do you believe God is real and he really does have a, a plan for your life? So you, got, you kind of take it back to the basics. Because if you don't want God's will for your life, then your life is going to go like every other person's life in this world. And you know what? It's driven by three things. If you don't want God's will for your life, your life pretty much is driven by three factors. Number one, your desires. Your desires move and direct your life. Number two, your successes. Ooh, I like that. I made money doing that. I, uh, whatever it is. And three, your failings. Those three things are going to be the guiding forces in your life if you don't want God's will for your life. Your desires, your successes, your failings. Where you end up, hey, who knows? See, the wonderful thing about God's will for our life, well, it's kind of like my grandfather's Christmas presents. I have a grandfather. He died Buddhist. I'm pretty sure he's not in heaven. But I know that, uh, I know that uh, at Christmas, he always gave me the best gift. I never knew what it was. But I, always look forward to getting his gift. And why was that? Because he knew me so well. And see, that's how God is with us. God knows us so well. And when we think of his plan for our life, he knows us so well. He knows you so well. And he already proved he loves you. So man, you put that together, why wouldn't you want to know what he wants for your life? Why wouldn't you? Surrender yourself to God's will for you. Hey, it's different. It's different for each person. Why? Because we're all different. And just like any good parent, he loves us for who we are. He loves us in our differentness. Okay, let's go on. What's the last thing? Last thing, if you want a great 2016, if you want to just kind of move forward and with a... And, and feel like you're moving forward, you got to show compassion. you got to show compassion. You can't be all me, me, me. you got to show compassion. Let's get into this. Look at verse 40 and 4 to 42. 
A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, leprosy, you guys know about leprosy, right, back in those days? You know, there are a lot of different leprosies. When I was in Brazil, uh, for some of you who don't know, my wife and I served in the Amazon for about 14 years or so. We had, we had leprosy in our area. I, um, I've shared this story before. I remember I visited this, this church and had all these different, uh, it's just a simple, simple little church with rickety little benches to sit on. And I was sitting there, and I was a, kind of a guest representing the mission, and I'm sitting there on this bench. And we're having a time of prayer. And as we had this time of prayer, someone came in and sat next to me. Well, in our time of prayer, I, my eyes just kind of opened a little bit. I looked at his feet, and everyone in Brazil wears open, just like, you know, flip-flops. And I looked at his feet, and he only had like two toes on one foot and maybe about three on the other. And I said, oh, man. Then when, then when we said amen and looked up, he didn't have any nose in his missing ear. And he looked at me, and, and I smiled at him, and I put out to shake his hand, and then he put out his hand, he was missing fingers. And then he said to me, don't worry. I'm not da-da-da. He said some word. And basically, man, there was a time of year when he wasn't, um, he wasn't contagious. But in other times, he could be because of the bodily fluids that, would, be, that would, would come out of his openings, his wounds. But the type of leprosy we're talking about primarily in Jesus' time was a leprosy of the skin that caused your skin to be white. It, it, it made your skin uh, powdery white. And, and when people saw that, they would ostracize you. Now, if any of you guys seen that old movie called Ben-Hur, Leprosy family, Ben-Hur's mother was, 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 was uh, cast away out of the community. But, uh, so here's, here's this man who has leprosy. He's most likely lost his family, his job, his community, all his support structure. Comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said. Be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. You know, how many times do we see a situation or meet someone on, on the street or wherever it might be, and this whole phrase, if you are willing. You know, a lot of times there are things that we can do that's within our power, within our our resources to do something. But the question is, are you willing? Are you willing to to put out of yourself? Are you willing to put in that time? Are you willing to, to, to give of what you have? And Jesus said, I am willing. Because it says in 41, filled with compassion. See, this is what made Jesus recognized throughout the world. The world recognizes the name of Jesus because he was compassionate. He cared about people. And that speaks to all of us, doesn't it? It really does. You know, I don't know about you, but when I think back of my 2015, I know, I know I can be a lot more compassionate in 2016. The question is, am I willing? Boy, a lot of times I don't know until I get to that situation. 
But I, I, I tell you, if I pray about it and I ask God to make me more compassionate, I know I will be. So then I got to take another step. Am I willing to pray that prayer? <laughs> Do you guys really want to be more compassionate? Then pray that prayer. Lord, help me to be more compassionate. But, you know, don't fall into the trap. I'm gonna, this is my last thing I'm going to share. You know, our world is... Um, and I'm not trying to get on the soapbox here, but uh, our society pretty much is preaching, let's all be loving and let's be compassionate, loving people. And it's kind of like John Lennon's song, love is all you need. And don't buy into it. See, that's not Christianity. Realize that is not Christianity. It sounds really good. It sounds really good to love everyone and everything and just, let's, let's just, let's just, Roll with it. Now, see, yes, Jesus was gentle. Jesus was loving. Jesus was, 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 was um, compassionate and self-sacrificing. But also, Jesus was just. Jesus was courageous. Jesus was morally unbending. And he was perfectly righteous and holy. You know what righteous means? That means that he was seen in God's eyes as right. And holy, holy means that he chose to, and not to physically, but in his heart and his mind, to separate himself from how the world was going. Think of all the things the world is doing and how the world is saying you should live your life. Being holy in the 21st century, part of it is saying, I'm going to be different. For God. That's a part of being holy for God. So, Mark chapter 1. If we surround ourselves with good people, if we surrender ourselves to the will of God for us individually and show ourselves to be more compassionate, hey, I think we have a real good chance of having a real good year. 2016. What do you guys think of that? Amen? Amen. Let's prepare ourselves for, the, for receiving the Lord's Supper. Before we uh, actually get into uh, the elements, I want to show you a, a clip. I think this is from YouTube. I'm not sure. It's of Matt Redman. Matt Redman is a, a Christian composer. Some of the songs we sing here are, were, were composed by Red, Matt Redman. And he's going to share some, uh, just a short little testimony about something that I think is important for us to just kind of look at uh, before we take, receive the elements. I think the most profound story for me so far has happened recently. This is... Uh, these guys in Bali who were, um, a guy called Andrew Chan and some other guys, who, they were uh, prisoners there uh, facing, going to face the firing squad because they had been guilty of drug trafficking about nine years before. But since then they've become Christians and like full-on life transformed and they were transforming other people's lives. So a lot of people were appealing for them not to face the death sentence but as it turned out the authorities there decided they, they needed to do that still. Had some reports back from uh, firstly from newspapers and then from people close to the thing that as they 
went to face the firing squad, they were singing 10,000 Reasons. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And, you know, I thought that, I don't think it gets more profound than that. I mean, firstly, who's the worship leader? That's the most amazing act of worship leading I've ever heard of. Yeah. Secondly, it tells me that you can face anything in this life and still be found with a song of worship on your lips, even a firing squad, right? And thirdly, I just thought, how did that song end up there? You know, what an amazing thing. And these are the things that I love when things are immeasurable. You know, sometimes people are looking at charts or they're, oh, this song sold, you know, sold this many or, I don't know, this people showed up at a worship event. But, you know, forget all that stuff. You know, what's the stuff that's immeasurable? You can't really put a, a figure on. That's the stuff I love. The stuff like that, you can't, there's no way of measuring that. It's just mm. profound, it's immense, it's intense, it's wonderful, beautiful. And, um, and it, you know, that, that's the stuff I, I want to do in ministry, stuff that you can't really measure. Tune in to the profile interview. You know, why did I show you that? You know, when we think of Christianity, when we think of the life with, that Jesus offers us through faith in him, you know, it is so mind-boggling, really. But, but we have to want it. And, and uh, I want to remind you about something. Back in August of this year, I asked you to think about who would you like to see, who would you love to see come to know Jesus in faith. And I don't know if you remember, but I asked you to stand up if there's someone that came to mind. Is there someone you want to see Jesus come, uh, come to Jesus in faith? You know, maybe it's a, a dear relative or a friend or whoever it might be, and I had you stand, okay? I told you at the end of the year, I'm going to remind you about this. Well, here I am. You know, for I hope that you are praying for people to come to know Jesus. I don't care if it's just one person. If it's one person, be persistent at it and do it because it's worth it. That's what we're talking about. This, you know, that testimony of, if, I don't know if you could understand everything with his accent, but here are these men who were, who were accused, caught and accused of dr dealing drugs in Bali were sentenced to death. In the prison, they come to the Lord. They have a life transformation take place. People are saying, no, they're reformed men. You know, don't kill them. But the government says, no, we're going to execute them. And so on the way to the firing squad, they have a peace of God and they're singing. And what did Matt Redmond say? Wow. You know, it's amazing that with Jesus on how much you can face in life. See, that's what you want for yourself and that's what you want for the people you care about. And that's why I ask you, you want to pray for people who you want to see come to Jesus because it is a life changer for the good. Don't take it lightly. If you do, then I, then I believe you need to just pray. You need to pray for yourself. Because a lot of things that, that we talk about here in church and the things you read in the Bible, they don't make a hill of beans in your life unless you really believe it. And you believing comes from scripture. Believing comes with fellowship with other believers. Believing comes from the Holy Spirit working in your life. Believing comes when you get on your knees and say, Lord, man, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. Come on, man, let's make 2016 a deeper year in God. You know, it's just another day of the year, but you know, it's a great marker for you. For you to say with conviction in your heart, Lord, 
I want to be more that person you want me to be. And hang on to it. Don't just do it here on a Sunday morning, but hang on to it and fight for it as the year goes on. You know, we're about to receive the elements. These elements of the, of the, uh, the bread and the, and the juice, they represent the body and the blood of Christ. Why in the world did he die for us for this very reason? To give us this life that is worth living here on earth as well as eternal life afterwards. But if you're here and you have yet to make that, that step of faith, if you're here and you're listening to all this and you're thinking, well, this is kind of interesting, but you haven't made that step of faith yet to say, Jesus, I want you as my Savior and Lord. Hey, that's wonderful. I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad you're hearing things. But when it comes to the elements, you know, when it comes to you, just pass it to the person next to you, okay? And then later on, when you make that decision, then these elements are, are waiting for you, okay? Let's pray right now. Lord, as we... Go forward now in receiving the elements. Lord, make them real to us. Help us understand. Let us not just, just eat and drink and say, okay, another, another communion. Lord, help us to really take in that, yes, yes, you died for us. Yes, your blood was shed for us. Yes, this, the life that you have for us is the life I want. No matter what we do in this world, Lord, we know that the life with you can make it full and purposeful. So, Father, bless this time. Prepare our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul wrote in, the, in his letter to the church in Corinth, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you receive the, the bread, I ask you just to hold it and we'll, we'll, we'll eat it all together at the same time.
Let's pray together. Dear Jesus, as we hold this bread between our fingers, we're reminded of what you went through for us. The beatings, humiliation, the, 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 just the isolation, the threats, so much you gave for us. Help us to be like, like this bread broken for others. Help us to live our life more like you. We receive this bread, reminded of your body that was broken for us. Let us eat the bread. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me.
Let's pray. Lord, as you hold this juice between our fingers, it reminds us and it's symbolic of the blood that was shed for us. Blood that was shed so that we can have a life with you, a life with God, a life everlasting. We know that your word says that without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sin. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for sacrificing yourself. Thank you for opening the door for us to have a life and an eternity with God, our creator. Let us drink the juice. Paul concluded, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.